Thanks for joining me on my podcast, The John Hammer Show. Today's show is episode three of Theology, Culture, and Leadership with my special guest, Adam Narciso. Adam is a visionary and pioneer of Catalyst Ministries, a training and global outreach mission for the next generation. Adam is a preacher, communicator, podcaster. He's written a book called New Identity, 30 Days of Prayer for Spiritual Transformation, and he's developed e-courses to help you in spreading the gospel and hearing the voice of God through the prophetic. You're going to enjoy the show today as we talk about evangelism, Jesus, and raves. We talk about the prophetic and being a church that prays and sees revival. This show is part of the Sunrise Podcast Network. For information about Sunrise Christian Center and our sponsors, the Send Network and Seattle Bible College, please visit isunrise.org. Please help spread the word by downloading, commenting, rating, uh, suggesting to others that they participate and check this information out. Basically, if you interact with my content, it helps me get the message out more and more. Thanks for listening. Well, Adam, it's great to have you on my podcast today, and uh, you've been a dear friend now. I think it's got to be at least 10 years now that we've been friends, Um, maybe a little longer than that even. And uh, Yeah, dude, it's so good to be here. We do go way back, and (laughs) I am thankful to connect with you. Yeah, dude, I think uh, I miss having you in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and, but, uh, I know that God's doing some pretty awesome things in your life and family and ministry in Tennessee now. Um, yeah. why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and just kind of your, your, give us a snapshot of your story. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, my wife and I, Jenny, we've been married, uh, about almost 16 years, man. We've got four children, two little girls, two little boys, and we have served together in vocational ministry for our, in, you know, largely our entire adult lives. Um, at, in my heart of hearts, man, I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm a son of God who just lo- loves to hear God's voice and join him in what he's doing. Um, as you mentioned, we're, we're now based out of the Nashville area, Middle Tennessee. I grew up in, born and raised in California, spent 15 years in the Seattle area where I met you. Would have never, ever, ever thought I would live in the South. Uh-huh. <laughs> but here I am. I always tell people that I'm here because I'm pursuing my my uh, my uh, con- my my career as a country music artist. You know? Yeah. And some as the, people <laughs> as the Hispanic Filipino. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to break ground for your people, bro. I mean, I've it's... got to. Someone has to pioneer away. People Someone has ask to find. You already gave a secret, away, but people ask me, man, what's what's your ethnic background? You know, well, my mom's <laughs> side's Mexican. My dad's side is Filipino, so I always tell people I'm a jalapeno, you know, and that always gets the laughs, especially here in the South um, anyway. But we've been here about two and a half years now, man, and we love it. Just just we feel like wherever God calls us is where is where is where home is, you know, and it, is it really kind of like Nash Vegas? Is it different than you thought the South would be or is it? more like yes similar than you thought it would you know we we've had some rude awake cultural rude awakenings no doubt um coming from you know the upper left here to the Mm -hmm. south but there's been elements of it that we've just fallen in love with so so fresh so right away to answer your question it is yes nashville is you know become like nash vegas it's like the bachelorette capital of the nation now and so you can walk around the streets or drive around the streets of nashville any given Friday night and you just see groups on groups, heaps on heaps of bachelorettes wearing the sashes, stumbling down Broadway, <laughs> riding on the back of a party bus, which are cruising up and down downtown Nashville. It's, it's a hilarious place to be. You ask any Uber or Lyft driver, you know, about, about the bachelorette parties and, and they'll, they'll either love them or they hate them. Some people make yeah. a living driving <laughs> around the bachelorette parties. Some people avoid the bachelorette parties at all costs. You know? Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, what, um, what is the focus of your ministry right now? Like, what are you doing as far as what kind of capacity are you using your leadership skills? Yeah, really good. Well, our ministry catalyst, we have historically just been, our identity has been a training and outreach mission for the next generation. And so historically we've run, as you know, these discipleship training schools for college students. However, in the most recent season, we've not given attention to that because since we've, in our move to Nashville, part of our mandate was, was uh, for multiplication. And 
we wanted to take kind of the best of what God stirred in us in the Northwest and then to translate that to serve more communities, more churches, more individuals around the world. So some of what I've been working on in the last few years has been content creation, you know, um, wrote a book, um, you know, a year and a half ago, um, called new identity, 30 days of prayer for spiritual transformation, taking the message of identity, breaking it down, um, just different scriptures for different days and relating that to different discipleship truths. Um, and, uh, launched a podcast called gospel encounters really to inspire, you know, evangelism and, Come pe- on. and inspire people to find their part in today's Jesus movement. Also launched a, an evangelism e-course, you know, really empower others, uh, with to be, to be active participants in what God's doing and winning people to himself. And, uh, and then most recently I'm, I'm launching a hearing God and prophecy e-course. So we've taken kind of the best of what we've done with some of our, our, our residential discipleship schools and then offered that in bite-sized formats, whether e-course, podcast, inspirational, or book form, you know, all of our training kind of in institutions largely, you know, are available to like the, the, the 1% of Christians who can give that kind of time, energy, effort, resource. I, I just felt a sense from the Lord that I wanted to create some resources that can serve the 99%, you know, there you go. And so we have been busy doing that, multiplying training resources, serving churches with, with, with training seminars, you know, on the topics of freedom, identity, hearing God and evangelism. And, um, and, and then, you know, as we'll probably talk about in a bit here, I've been engaged. Our team has been engaged on some uh, regional student outreach initiatives, which mm-hmm. God's been really blessing in this school year. And we're really excited about that's, that's our, our, you know, uh, what we're giving ourselves to in a nutshell. Again, we're training and outreach mission for the next generation. So everything we do, we try and push it through that lens. Yeah. So as this whole COVID-19 shutdown thing um, stopped uh, some aspects of your ministry, then as far as like traveling and obviously yeah. student out, uh, outreaches probably aren't happening uh, yeah. like these assemblies. Yeah, man. Um, it has radically disrupted it. Interestingly, uh, it, at the turn of the year, I gathered some intercessors for our ministry just to lean in to listen to God and pray for the ministry. And one of the really strong prophetic words that came from a friend of mine said, Adam, I just hear the Lord saying home base. And he said huh. that like three or four times in the meeting and, and people were prophesying, oh, you're going to be in the nations, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he had interrupted them. He said, no, I, I really hear God saying it's home oh, yeah. base. There's so he's being pretty strong. Yeah, he's And like, he was no, being no. forceful, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. against his, um, his disposition. So I took that to heart and didn't force scheduling in the spring for travel, thinking that I would be doing more student outreach stuff at the local level is how I interpreted it. And so um, we didn't book as many travel trips through through the spring. And then sure enough, COVID hits on the heels of a ministry trip to Indiana. And, um, you know, all travels canceled. <laughs> right. So, yeah, man, guys like me, you know, like travels canceled. But then I'm like, well, I guess we can continue to serve students. But guess what? Schools are closed. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if there's not more of a, just a louder God opportunity to lean into him in scripture and in prayer and devotion to him, I don't know what was, you know, Sure. but yeah. uh, essentially, you know, our time's been freed up in a radical way just to give ourselves to the Lord in, in, in devotion to him. But then also we've been doing a lot of online work and, you know, it gave me opportunity to finish up my hearing God e-course. And so I've stayed busy, but yes, the, the tables have turned, man. It's a different time. Right. So yeah, you take, there's a lot we can take advantage of as ministers and as content creators uh, during this time. What does your normal look like right now? What does your kind of your, your daily, weekly flow look like during this season? Yeah, so good. Well, as mentioned, we have four kids. So we went from four, three kids in public school, plus a, ta- or a, a young little guy in preschool to, you know, four kids homeschool. And so um <laughs> And so we are learning, man. My, my wife and I are getting our booties kicked, you know, on this homeschool <laughs> thing. And, uh, uh, but God's given us grace. And so we, there's time in the schedule for that. You know, well, I spend a few hours with the Lord every day in prayer, in the word. I'm on calls with different leaders. You know, Zoom has become like our best friend, right? Yep. Real talk. And, Got uh, one of those in a little while. <laughs> I'm doing some writing different times of the day or some video, video shoot. 
um, stuff. Uh, but then really I'm enjoying my kids. We just yeah. got a dog yesterday. Oh, oh yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Or the day before yesterday. Okay. And, uh, his, his name is cap cap like uh, because he's really buff. He's got muscles and he's really white. And so name after Captain America. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's, yeah, I'm sure your kids excited. Oh man, it's, it's ridiculous. They are over the moon. They're just in love with the dog, you know, and they're so thankful oh, yeah. that they've got a little buddy. Well, so. hopefully you guys do better than us. Um, I'm actually writing us. I'm going to write a spoken word or a children's book about our experience with a dog this year because it, and the title gives it all away. It's called the five day dog. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> and my, my kids, my kids i mean i had viral videos contacting me when we shared our video on social media of getting the dog and then five days later we gave the dog back because oh, it was just my. like it was too much for our family and my wife was just not having it and i it was so disruptive but then at mother's day our kids said the greatest moment of their the greatest thing their mom has ever done for them is letting them have a dog for five days so <laughs> I was like, do you realize that what you perceived as your biggest failure as a mom is actually what they say is the greatest thing you've done for them? Like, there's like, we've come full circle in the last few months from like them being angry and sad at, with their mom into like, you know, now, mom, at least you tried. At least you tried. And we had it for five That's days. So funny. <laughs> well, we, you know, my wife and I, we always said we never wanted a dog. We just rather make another kid. Yeah. So four kids later, right. you know, we're like, <laughs> man, our, now our kids want a dog and we, we were holding the line. Then this last year, my heartstrings got started getting pulled, you know, and any dog I'd see walking down the street, I'd start talking in like daddy high pitch voice, you know, like I'm looking at a baby. Oh. And then, and then, and then uh, we, you know, God moved on Pharaoh's heart and he moved on my wife's heart, you know, yep. and uh, my wife start, her heart started getting turned but she's like, I don't want to have to pick up poop. I said, honey, we got four children, you know, and so we, we can design this our way. So actually for the last three months, two and a half months, our kids have been earning the, the, the added responsibility of a dog um, by taking on more responsibility around the house. So they've actually been doing more chores, yeah. lightening our load in order to demonstrate they could manage the added responsibility <laughs> of a dog. And they passed the test. Oh, good so. for them. Oh, that's awesome. But don't tell that to my little boy, Gabriel, who we, who he named Bubba, because he picked up his first uh, dog poop <laughs> yesterday. He walked into the house, and there was slobber coming, drool coming out of his mouth, and he was dry heaving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just got real. <laughs> just, yeah, it just got real. For sure. Oh, man. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, you still lifting weights on lockdown? I am still lifting weights. Praise God. I got a garage gym, you know, That's right. um, one of the things that happened when we moved to Tennessee, as I started a garage gym, you know, um, started collecting equipment, I have a CrossFit and a weightlifting background. And so I started doing that at home and then coaching, um, weightlifting at a, at a, at a CrossFit gym and then competing in the area. And so I'm still doing that, man, staying, staying strong, staying fit. I uh, got my dad bod going on, yeah. you know, a <laughs> uh, good layer of, uh, of beat of nice fat over over this you know really otherwise chiseled incredible body yeah (laughs) (laughs) are you are you still coaching like do you do zoom coaching uh no i do not do zoom coaching we run different classes you know out of a crossfit gym and so um as when the crossfit gym closed we weren't in a um uh, a weightlifting class in the mm. middle of one so i didn't i didn't pick up one but we'll, we'll launch another one here shortly gotcha well we're uh our gracie jiu-jitsu gym is uh gonna try to do zoom lessons this week i don't know if i can if i can uh, get lock in with the schedule they're putting out there or not so we'll see it'd be interesting to see i'm like what are we gonna like a lot of people are alone so maybe they did make, create like this way to create like a if you have a big teddy bear in the house, like you use these towels and stuff with your gi to like create like a teddy bear dummy, <laughs> you know, like your dummy partners, so you can like arm lock and choke the teddy bear <laughs> if you're all by yourself. I mean, of course, I got my wife and four kids that I can use as my dummy <laughs> or they can use me as theirs. That's what that's what really happens a lot of times. Um, Man, I grew up with four sisters, I think, or three sisters, as you know. And so I was the only boy. <laughs> 
and I grew up watching WWF, which side note, I just introduced my kids to last night, uh, Royal, Royal <laughs> SummerSlam 3. Anyway, uh, yeah, and nice. I would always get in trouble. I would always get in trouble because I'd try wrestling moves on my sisters. And my, my older sister, Julie, who was a gymnast cheerleader, you know, yeah. a little, little thing. And, and I had learned how to do a fireman's carry throw, you know, and, and so I asked her if I could do it on her. And I said, but you're going to have to tuck your head and roll. And she said, Adam, I'm a cheerleader. I'm a gymnast. Of course, I know how to tuck my head and roll. I said, all right, here we go. <laughs> boom, boom. Next thing you know, uh, Julie didn't tuck her head and roll. She slid on her face across the living room carpet. Oh, no. Rug burn, rug burn. <laughs> across the middle of her face and yeah got in trouble for that one so yeah you got you got in big trouble for that you, you <laughs> left a mark <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah the, did the kids try anything this morning like from that they watched on the video last night you coming in your boys was like got somebody over their shoulder or... <laughs> well actually they did i was working out in the garage and all of a sudden i heard some yelling and screaming you know and crying and i thought well that's not uncommon. One of my sons came out. He said, "Dad, Dad, uh, Leo and I were practicing wrestling, and uh, he's telling on himself. Right? I, I just pushed him down. Where were you, son? Were you on the carpet upstairs? No, we were in the entryway. Of course, the hardwood entryway. Yeah, oh, you know, like that's not the place you want to wrestle, bro. Exactly. So <laughs> classic. I remember like my brother and I getting in a fight after we like secretly watched Karate Kid at a neighbor's house, and uh, we like. Uh, my parents break up the fight or whatever and they're like what happened like we watched karate kid at the neighbors you know like that's exactly why we didn't want you to watch that movie (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so classic well i think this um i was actually thinking of you know getting to have this conversation with you and do this podcast and i was reminded uh, of an old message that you preached, and I have one of those like memories where I scare people sometimes. I don't remember <laughs> everything perfectly, but I'm not like photographic. But like I'll remember people, and they think I'm stalking them because they have no clue who I am. And I could like tell them where I met them, you know, what we talked about, and they're like, "I think you're, you know, a stranger." Yeah. Um, but I remember you preaching out of, I believe it was Philippians, but you preached about a gospel angle on suffering or taking the gospel angle through hard times or different situations that life throws at us. And honestly, I've been a little aggrieved as a pastor and a leader uh, because I feel like I see so few Christians looking for the gospel angle, if you will, on the COVID crisis. Um, And I know that was a message that you probably preached a lot of places or a lot of times or that, you know, that kind of encapsulates a lot of what your life is about. So could you just speak to that a little bit? Like, how can we as Christians take a gospel angle on COVID or on, you know, just whatever maybe trial or difficult time we're in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think core to the, uh, taking a gospel angle is, is asking the question, you know, what is the father doing in the midst of this moment? And, um, you know, the gospel, it's a redemptive message. Mm-hmm. And so while, while Friday and Saturday are really bad and really dark, Jesus is on the cross and then he's in the tomb. Mm-hmm. Sunday is coming. Yeah. And as a people who know the rest of the story, we know that the story of God is a story of redemption. So in everything, God, in everything, God is working. He has redemptive purpose, purpose, even in the midst of crisis, even in the midst of, of suffering and difficulty. And so I think then our prophetic voice in perspective has to echo that, 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 main truth of the gospel which is a story of redemption so then in this kind of covid moment i think the church is the prophetic people of god we ha- we we have to be asking like what is the father right now doing in the in this moment and uh, there's lots of things he's doing recently i wrote i think a blog blog article on like five five redemptive works of god in the midst of the covid 19 crisis mm-hmm. it was a better better title than that but yeah um, you know, one of them right away is think about think about this is like God is God has visited um, America and certainly all the nations of the world. He's visited the church with with the gift of weakness. Mm-hmm. And uh, as 21st century Americans, we live in the wealthiest nation in human history. We don't know weakness. We're not familiar with need and weakness. Even the neediest among us are among the greater population of the world, the richest, mm-hmm. you know, um, by every 
by every standard. That said, we have been given a great gift of weakness. We, there, this crisis has left so many without, without options, you know, and there's, there's a, there's a intimidating aspect of that. But when you begin to think about it in terms of a, that redemptive lens of what is God doing? Could it be that in this global moment of weakness where the world is so many around the world are without other options, other things to lean on money, power, you know, yeah. um, medicine, modern medicine is that God's given us that great gift of weakness to which, you know, heaven says, my grace is perfected. My power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient in this yeah. moment of need. And, and I think that I sense that even in my own life, you know, where as I begin to go down that, that road of, well, what will happen if, what will, what, what would happen if, and all those what if questions that anxiety and fear tries to bait us with at the end of those questions, I find myself leaning back into going, Lord, I don't know. I feel so weak, so, uh, so, so powerless right now, but I'm looking to you, the one who has all power and every solution and I'm trusting you. And I think we, we can't miss this moment where, where, um, you know, the church, the 21st century church has been given the gift of weakness. And so I think there, there, there are lots of things God's doing. I think that's one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we're doing right now is, is we're utilizing technology for uh, the sake of, you know, building up the body of Christ, inspiring believers, equipping the church, you know, but this whole thing is happening via technology, which are like the Roman roads of our day, you know, like I think what, uh, one of the other redemptive things God's done is he's, he's put a burden on the church all over the world to, to respond to something he's probably calling them to for some time, which is to use the Roman roads of our day um, for the sake of the gospel. You know, Paul would never, the apostle Paul would have never been who he was, was he not birthed into the time in which he was, which, you know, a hundred, 200 years before him, Rome, had established an empire, mm-hmm. built roads and aqueducts and infrastructure throughout the known world. You know, years before that, the Greeks established an empire and and propagated their their language and their culture throughout the known world. So Paul came into a time of uh, where the world was more interconnected than they had ever been by language, by access, by transportation. Yeah. And and then God put a spirit on His earliest apostles in that moment, and they carried the gospel across the Roman roads speaking the the language uh, the greek language the predominant language of the world and so what if in this covid moment god has put a burden on the church to use the roman roads of our day for the sake of the gospel i think churches and ministries content creators prophetic voices are going to come out of this crisis having um uh, with greater skills depth creativity and a more of a prophetic edge to speak to to our generation that's my hope i think yeah. god, i think there's two things I think God's doing kind of in our moment, but I think we have to ask the question, what are the redemptive works of God? What is God the Father doing? I see what the enemy's doing. I see what's the destruction that's happening. I see the anxiety that's raging, but what is God doing and how can I best partner with that? Yeah. Well, no, that's awesome. I think it's, it's interesting too, to me to see how this has put an ache or, you know, like has, I see, I would say magnified the ache inside of people. You know, yeah. like whether it's the unrest, the not knowing how they're going to provide for their family financially, afraid of getting the disease or fa- knowing family members that have died or or, you know, have been been through a rough battle with COVID. Um, but I, I'm just I'm just watching like people that uh, like some families in our church have had children return to the Lord or come to wow. the Lord for the first time. Uh, one of the young ladies in our discipleship group, my wife pours into her a lot. Um She's an awesome young lady and she's always been kind of like vocal about her faith and prayed for people. But we equipped uh, early in this crisis, we did some equipping with a friend uh, from Ireland, uh, Scott McNamara, uh, with mm. Jesus at the door. And she really like grabbed a hold of this tool. And like this week, she's led three people to Christ using this evangelism tool, you know, powerful. And uh, then uh, I, I'm, you know, today my our Internet cut out for the last couple of days because um and and anyway it's a it's a longer story trying to get it back on to my wife we're tired of being on customer service phone calls and whatnot but she calls in this morning to try to get it rectified and the next thing you know like she's on the phone for like an hour but she actually just starts pouring into this lady over the phone (laughs) and they did like ultimate like i don't know probably three or four like attempts to reset different you know the modem the router this other thing connected to the house 
uh, I don't even know what it is, you know, and we're unplugging stuff and then resetting it and they're trying stuff on there and it's not working. And then all of a sudden I hear my wife talking to her about grief and how God hasn't abandoned her. And like, she starts like ministering to this woman who turned out to be a believer from the wow. South. She had that beautiful Southern draw. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and my wife was just pouring into her. She lost her husband apparently a couple of years ago and she's really been angry with God. And, uh, she was so appreciative. My wife prayed with her a couple different times on the call and literally like right as their calls ending, the internet just gets, it just starts working. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this is so crazy, you know, oh, like it's so stressful, but my wife, like, she, I mean, she was frustrated about why this wasn't working and how much time she was spending, but she decided not to take that frustration out on this customer service woman. Right. Let's and go. she just loved on her. And the lady even said early in the call, she's like, Oh, well, sorry, I'm trying to get my head straight after that last call I just had. And that's when my wife first jumped in with prayer. She's like, oh, really? Did you have a stressful call? She's like, yeah. She's like, can I just pray for you right now? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's what steered it all towards this whole opportunity to minister wow. in the middle of a stressful situation. And I was just like, whoa. So anyway, saying all this well, to say well, like, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say what Grace is doing, your wife's doing, she's embodying that redemptive lens you know she's yeah. looking with god eyes at this moment which she comes into a saturday context you know the lady's like oh I bet I got... after the last call i had grace hears stress anxiety whatever's anger and she yeah. responds with this this offer so she she's looking you know through that redemptive lens if we can if we can catch this we're going to reinterpret every circumstance into which we enter Right. And and even the ones that we would otherwise be totally upset about, totally look like, totally look at as an inconvenience um, or, you know, some 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 earthly problem. We, we can reinterpret those circumstances when we look through the, the lens of redemption. What is God doing? Yeah. And she sees the moment, divine appointment. She's print this. Your your wife is she is a bad woman. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, I and mean, you know it too. You're married to one as well. They're, oh yeah, oh yeah. They're like gospel ninjas, you know, Amen. mature, strong women in the Lord <laughs> are ready for We're adventure. Blessed. Yep, big time. So my question for you though is, do you think, you know, without without this crisis, would would we be hearing all these stories or having all this time to minister to people like this? I mean, you're probably hearing similar things where people are spending more time praying, more time reaching out, more time meeting their neighbors. Um, I'm guessing that's happening all across the country and even the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think your question is, I think without this radical disruption, we would continue on with business as usual. Right. And I don't don't have any reason to believe that we would have shifted toward this longing for relationship, authentic connection, you know, even being on more intentional mission with God. I think for many of us, kind of this moment has represented a divine shift, a reset of mm -hmm. sorts where God is repositioning us as his people and calling us back to kind of the ancient past. And I just I just, you know, in my heart of hearts, I can't see us making that that change without a radical disruption like this right do you, why do you think that we have a hard time as christians navigating the gospel angle or the redemptive lens that we're talking about as followers of jesus uh you know versus like i don't know i i think a lot i see a lot of christians um navigating this crisis more through their lens of their political bent so if they're left-leaning yeah. democratic they kind of have this, they kind of get on their little soapbox and preach their message of what we need to do. And then on the flip side, the Republican conservative side, you know, they kind of get on this and I'm getting emails, Facebook messages. <laughs> we got to do yeah. this. We got to do that. Are you paying attention to this? Um, and I'm like, why, why do we drift towards kind of the political versus the gospel, the kingdom of Jesus? angle even as we so-called professing christians i think that's a great question i think in short we we have been leavened by kind of that political spirit that that leaven of herod you know mm -hmm. um, rather than leavened by the, the the kingdom and you know w the church man we we don't know who we are we lack we lack a revelation of our identity one of one of the identity meant 
messages that Paul preached again and again and again was that he was a bondservant of the Lord. And um, as he extrapolated that truth, and, it, and he said, I would rather die than put an obstacle in anyone's way of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he said, he said, I am so, he was so radical on this. He said, I'm refusing to take a paycheck from the church because I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of, of onlookers. He says, not that I believe I'm biblically tied to being without a paycheck by far. He taught the exact opposite, yeah. but he said, I want to remove the stumbling block. And, and so he's, his identity as a bond servant, he, he, the, the, the application of that was I, as a bond servant, remove obstacles to others for the sake of the gospel. I think one of the biggest obstacles to the gospel in our day is exactly what you put your finger on. It's, it's the leaven of Herod. It's the political spirit. It's, it's where it's well-meaning believers who have a deeper allegiance to political party and personality than they mm-hmm. do the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that comes out, that's expressed in the things that we're loudest about on social media. It's expressed on um, the way we are interpreting kind of this moment mm-hmm. and, and how we speak about it. And I think, man, the church needs some deliverance, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need some cleanup, man. Straight up, right? We, we, we've got to get the leaven of Herod, that political leaven out of our own hearts. Yeah. And then, and then we have to embody a, you know, a, a better way forward, which really is the way, the way of Jesus, right. his I, eternal kingdom. So. I think we, it feels more tangible maybe to us to deal with like policy that we can like touch and see and, you know, like yeah. experience, like, like I want to get out of my house or I don't think anyone should be out of their house. We don't want to spread this disease. You know, like yeah. it, it seems like it gives us more control maybe than thinking of what Jesus wants us to do. Um, but I think yeah. we look at Jesus as impractical sometimes, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. wherever it seems like his claim on our life seems absurd to the way of the world. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. well, I think that was just a metaphor. You know, he was just using exaggeration <laughs> uh, in that in that part of his speech. Um, you don't you don't really have to follow that part. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lordship is a massive inconvenience. Right. <laughs> right. Well, one of the uh, like kind of gospel movement or like uh, house church movement guys, Dan White, he put on twitter today i just gotta sh- i just gotta share this because it relates so much but he said how fundamentalist right or left willed their truths and he's eight little short points uh number one absolutism and belief number two self-righteous and spirit number three combative and dialogue number four relate through us versus them number five demonizing other groups number six yeah. political ideological borders policing ideological borders number seven using shame to silence others number eight defined by who you're against and uh, I'm like, man, that's really true on the right or the left. And I think Nailed it. the kingdom isn't like balanced between the two. But like my dad says, God doesn't come to um, God doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. Yes. <laughs> and I love that so line, good. you know, uh, but I think that's it, it's challenging to think to, to because all of us, like even me, there's some areas politically how things are being handled that I'm, I'm really starting to not, not like the longer this takes. I'm, but I feel like Jesus calling me like, what, what am I telling you, John? Yeah. <laughs> not what do you feel? Because you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, which means I have to at times deny my preferences as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a leader, right? Um, to follow Absolutely. the way of Christ. And I think... Uh, it's it's it is an it is in a sense a form of self-induced suffering sometimes to follow jesus right i mean there is a cross man yeah if if there if there is no cross you are not following jesus yep (laughs) wow so good man man uh well so I know I'm, we, the, the preachers get together and we just start preaching at each other. I can't help myself. <laughs> but uh, as you're, uh, you know, looking at redemptive lens, gospel angle, and you're getting to, to do some cool things with your time. Like, I know that you've been involved with a gospel movement in your yeah. community, right? Uh, in this last season, it's just been about the last year or so that this has yes, all risen up. Yep. It's been this last school year, man. And there is a God story behind it actually um uh, a little bit more than a year ago um 
a, a prophet friend in the area, this older guy who's in business, who just, I really, you know, consider him to be a, a prophetic voice. He came to me and he said, Adam, the Lord wants to give you a new, a new 22. And I just laughed and I'm like, man, I, I grew up in central California. Like gun, <laughs> guns are like gang violence, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> dude, he's, he just laughed and he goes, it's not, it's, it's not about a gun. I think it's a new, there are new 22, 20 and 22 year olds who God wants to bring alongside of you to partner with you to team together and reaching the next generation. Oh, wow. And, and as he spoke that, I just, my heart left. I said, yes, that's a word of the Lord. I, that's exactly what I'm praying for. I embraced that word. And, uh, you know, weeks later, uh, my wife comes downstairs with an email, you know, on a phone. She says, our friend Karen Hall just emailed us. And, and at that time, we began pursuing now work among students, high school, college students and high school students in our region. And, and Karen has this dream. God gives her a dream. And in the dream, my wife is prophesying. And my wife is saying every campus in Williamson County, that's the county we live in, hmm. is open to us. And she says that she prophesied that like the spirit of the Lord falls and it's powerful. They look in the sky. There's a blimp in the sky and it's writing these words. The time is now. Hmm. My wife reads me that dream literally moments as a, a, a local church leader, leaders from a local church were leaving uh, my, my, my home. We had just had the final meeting kind of signing the dotted line on our, on our partnership for mission to reach students in our region. And the word of the Lord was every campus is open to us. The time is now I embrace that word. So now I have these two words, you know, like the new 22, God wants to give me young people to reach younger people. And it's about mm -hmm. high, every high school campus in the County. And the time is now. So I just begin to pray, you know, I'm new to the area. I don't have a lot of young friends in the area. Next thing you know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm speaking at an event um, with 80 college students. I'm doing two sessions on evangelism. This was the end of last summer. And um, the Lord tells me before the event, I'm going to give you your new 22 this weekend. And so I said, amen, Lord, you know, and I finished my two sessions with college students on personal evangelism. I went to the foyer. I sat down a 20 year old, a 21 year old came and sit, sat down in front of me. And they said, Adam, the whole time you were speaking, we just feel like God's put on our hearts. We're supposed to partner with you. And I'm smiling, thinking about this word in my mind, you know, and they're saying, <laughs> they're saying, can we partner together to reach students in our area? And then one of the younger guys says, I'm going to relaunch. I want to relaunch this ministry called Wilco United that I started when I was in high school it's a worship and prayer night. I said, well, he says, will you, I'm supposed to ask you, will you be like the dad of Wilco United? You know? And, and in my mind, I thought two, th thought two things. I thought in my mind, I'm like, the word of the Lord is true. Booyah. You know, that was the first thing I thought. The second thing I thought was, oh, he thinks I'm old. You know? <laughs> and, you uh, I, I smiled. I said, yeah, bro, I'm in. And he said, no, I don't want you to be like a partner. I want you to be like the dad of this this fresh movement is that something you'd be interested in like to team with me you know and and be a coach and a mentor i said yes i'm in god's already spoken to me hmm. and just opposed to that there's been this whole other narrative where these same two guys had had met a heard heard of this this uh they, this trend happening in our community where high school kids had started a business and their business was a rave you know, mm. borrow a couple thousand dollars from your dad, launch a business, rent a venue, book a DJ, mm. an aspiring artist, which is not difficult to do in Nashville. You know, sell tickets yeah. online. Hundreds of kids are showing up to these raves. Huh. Um, and their kids are making boatload of money. Well, these young guys tell me, we, we heard of these guys. And then in the next week we met and we prayed. The guys are the, the young guy says we heard of these guys and we found out where one of them lives. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? They're like, well, what if this what if this guy is a, is, a, is like a son of peace? You know, we'll we'll explain that in a moment. You know, yeah. And uh, these guys are guys are in my evangelism course. He's what if you know? Later he says, what if they're a son of peace? And and so I said, let's pray. You know, what do you want to do? They said, well, we thought about like showing up at their house and knocking on their door. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the creepiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. You know? 
And so, so sure enough, these, these young 20 year olds show up these, this high school kids house, they develop a friendship. They start meeting Mm -hmm. every week. These, these young guys that I'm coaching start pouring into these non-believers, you know, like discipling them unto conversion, you know, ministering to them, prophetically praying for them. And the spirit of conviction begins working in these young, these high school kids hearts. And in the course of time, our team, these young guys, they pitch these high school kids on this idea. God's given you influence for your generation hmm. and he wants to you to use your influence for eternal good. And, and they pitched and they said, can we partner with you on your next rave? Hmm. He said, we'll bring you 50 paying customers, but we get the, we get the microphone for 20 minutes at the end of the rave. Hmm. <laughs> and that was the partnership, you know, and the young guys said, thought about it for a while. They came back. They said, we want to do it. Well, we, we go into pray pre- pre- preparation mode. We start developing follow-up, you know, uh, materials and plan. And the next thing you know, our young guys are pulled into a meeting with a, 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 an organization in downtown Nashville called Rocket Town, which Michael W. Smith and his people started years ago. Yeah. It's a world-class venue and, and their board is meeting with our young guys saying, we've heard of what you want to do. And there's this ministry from Kentucky, this rave ministry that's wanted to come down to Nashville. We heard of you guys. You're doing what we're designed to do as a nonprofit. Can we team together? And they said, can you move your rave from Williamson County into downtown Nashville? We'll sponsor it. We'll, we'll cover the venue. We'll cover, you know, the security all those costs. We'll even promote it to every contact we have in the metro area um, among high schools. And and can we all team together? Can we all collaborate on this? Overnight, this thing just became way larger than we anticipated. And so we began planning accordingly. I'll tell you what, dude, weeks later, we launched that first rave and a thousand kids came. Wow. A thousand paying kids walked through the door and um, for this kind of divine setup, yeah. you know, where now this rave platform became a gospel platform, really, because these young guys were saying, what is the father doing? Yeah. You know, well, there's all these kids gathering at raves. What would it take to see that platform become a gospel platform? You know, and they saw the son of peace. They saw this, these young high school kids who were people who were prepared by God to be a bridge for the gospel to get to reach more people. Mm-hmm. And so they came alongside them, befriended them, loved on them, and then in the course of time presented an idea, and a thousand kids show up. A gospel call is given. Four hundred kids respond to the gospel at that first round. Wow. Four hundred respond. You know, they get chucked into our our uh, text campaign. You know, the first text they received after blessing their new journey with Jesus was an invite to our first Wilco United gathering. That that relaunch of that prayer and worship gathering at unity gathering um, for high school kids in our county. And we hosted that the following weekend. We invited them to the next event. The idea being is we want to go where they are at raves and campuses. Then we want to invite them to a neutral place. Yeah. So we're kind of operating with these ideas that I think are vital for the church today is number one, we have to look for the son of peace, that idea, that missional strategy mm-hmm. of Jesus in Luke 10 has to be recovered today. God has a son of peace for every community he wants to right. reach. And it's our job to find them and to love them. Um, yeah, I think in the, on that, it's there one one salvation or one soul can be a key to literally hundreds or thousands of people or dozens of families. Like right, Zacche- Zacchaeus absolutely. transforms the whole economy of a whole region, and the fame of Jesus would spread everywhere. Right, because of that one <laughs> conversion, the most despised, or the woman at the well. You know, there's all these stories about this one person is kind of the linchpin right that that person of peace and that's man that's so powerful i just to even hear a a story happening like in nashville in the last year of a person of man this gives me so fired up and so we said all right well what's the next the next part of the strategy was you know we want to relaunch wilco united in the context of a greater youth movement yeah where we are going where kids are students and campus campuses and raves we're inviting them to a neutral place. What we're recognizing is the trend is takes a lot longer for anyone to set foot inside of a church building these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're recognizing that trend and saying, well, what is, what is the Lord doing? And well, the idea came, can, can there be a neutral space? 
Can there be a place that's not owned by any name or ministry or brand or church, but it can be owned by believers across churches and across ministries so it can be shaped more in the form of a movement? And so what we did is we, rec we recruited, you know, sons of peace from, from almost every high school in Williamson County. Our goal is every high school. We're not there yet, mm -hmm. but we, we, we recruited about two dozen campus rep leaders from these uh, uh, places, you know, campuses around the County. And we called them into a discipleship relationship. We began using my book kind of as the discipleship guide, speaking the truth of identity in them. And then we, we launched our first Wilco United event the week after the rave and 400 kids showed up Yeah, and kids from almost every school in the County. And we is a prayer worship encounter. I got to preach a, a gospel message again at that event, real call to the Lordship of Jesus, 200 young people respond to the call of the gospel. You know, we found ourselves just in one week already 600 young people have come to Christ, yeah. you it's know, in, a, in the span, in the span of a couple months, as we did this again, we saw 800 kids, approximately 800 kids respond to the gospel, just with that, that strategy of work with the sons of peace, invest in them, recognize some of them won't even be believers, but mm -hmm. we're invested in them, um, giving the gospel where they are inviting them into a neutral space. Yeah. Like, like Wilco has been that neutral space. What that, what's that meant is been, you know, I've, I've not tried to brand that catalyst or Adam Narciso in any yeah. way, other church leaders involved at other churches. They're not branding at their church. It really has been a united, uh, a, a unity gathering. Yeah. And, uh, and so the power of a neutral space is, I think is a key that, you know, church leaders and believers have to think about as we're reaching people is we want to go where they are. Mm -hmm. That might be jujitsu, right. you know, gyms, a CrossFit gym. It might be a campus yeah. it, or, you know, a coffee shop. And then we want to invite them to neutral space. That might be going out to dinner with them. That might be our home. That might be a, uh, an experience with them, you know, on the golf course, you know, the, te the tennis court, et cetera. But uh, the power of a neutral space is that we can, we can develop friendship with people in, in a meaningful way um, without the, uh, the, 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 them feeling burdened by kind of our, our sense of call, you know, but then in, in that context of friendship, as the gospel mm -hmm. continues to take seed in heart, we have another opportunity to invite them further into our lives and our communities of faith, you know, that's invite, that's bringing them to where we are, yeah. the, the reality of local churches and communities. And so we, we go where they are, we meet at a neutral space and then we invite them where we are. I think that's part of a strategy for today. Yeah. I mean, in, in this moment, right. I don't see it as either or for sure. Like you're saying, it's like, I believe in the local church. I believe in a family of families. And you know, if, if a dad has, uh, there's a, there's a phrase for that. If a dad has like three families, you know, they don't really know each other. <laughs> Yes. Sir. Uh, that's kind of sketchy. So I believe in like having a local church that that's your family. You know, you have one family that you're committed to. You honor the arrest as extended family, all the other local churches, and you got to work together. And that's the flip side, I think, of what you're talking about. It's not at odds, but it's like in the Bible, we see the church of the city, right? The church at Jerusalem, yeah. the church of Laodicea, the church of Antioch. Yeah. You know, we see city churches and we see networks of churches. And sometimes local churches are strong but they're not working with other local churches as the, and being seen as the church of the city. And I think that's powerful. The neutral space, the unity. I'm doing a series on revival prayer right now with our church. Um, and uh, Jonathan Edwards said that there were three necessities of revival. And I think what you are doing is very powerful because it, it, it demonstrates that visible union, explicit agreement, and fervent prayer. Those are the three things necessary. So I've been asking God, like in our city in Everett, just, you know, a little north of Seattle here, um, that God would give us visible ways for the city to see that the church is united. We'd have explicit agreement, you know, for the move of God and the purpose of the gospel and that we'd give ourselves to fervent prayer um, along those lines. And I'm like, hey, what you're doing with Wilco, it encapsulates those three, <laughs> those three things. There's visible unity. Nobody's trying to put their their badge or their brand on it, you know um yep. you're obviously in agreement working together and then there's fervent prayer because that's part of what you're doing in these rallies is you're un oh, you're absolutely. uniting in prayer which is and isn't there a whole prayer movement happening in the nashville area or in tennessee oh, at man, a pretty high level really is 
Yeah, at a high level, you know, in fact, my wife and I were, were invited by our uh, dear friend named Bob Perry a couple of years ago to take part in, in one event that really served as one of the catalysts, I think, for a lot of things going on. There was a lot of buildup to that over the years, but um, the surrounded event, you know, in the fall of, I think it was 2018, um, that sponsored by Matt, Michael W. Smith and TBN, but it was a grassroots movement that mm-hmm. eventuate, eventually got sponsored by these higher level names that landed in Bridgestone Arena. So my wife and I led the green room serving about, you know, 400 area kingdom leaders, pastors, you know, something like 15,000 people gathered in Bridgestone just to pray, worship and pray for a revival throughout Middle Tennessee. Wow. You know, at the at the turn of the year, uh, another movement launched called Awaken Nashville, where um, several pastors in the area started mobilizing churches. In the last two years, um, this, like, for example, this year, that movement, they, they've mobilized something like 400 churches across Tennessee to do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the turn of the year together in concert, praying the same prayers together. Um, you know, the first mm-hmm. year they did it, they got, they literally got the contact information of everyone who lived within the city limits of Nashville and they prayed for everyone by name. Wow. That was their, that was their assignment from God to pray for everyone by name. And so Again, that awakened movement is this 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 cross church movement. It's led by some some yes churches leaders that are committed to their own respective local churches, but they're neutral enough where they can they can they can call other churches into movement with them, and uh, and that has been again one of the one of the prayer expressions in this region that's been super super dynamic that. God's certainly doing something here in this region, and we're so thankful to get to be a part of it. Yeah, well, I love your story for a lot of reasons, but uh, I think that's powerful just that you're seeing tangible answers to your prayers. (laughs) And I think uh, there's been, I've been talking about this with our church and reading about it and contemplating it in my own life, but why it why do we think sometimes that maybe prayer is doing nothing or prayer is just kind of, you know, like a spiritual exercise that helps us become more mature. And certainly that's a big part of what prayer is fellowshipping with the Lord and help where he fine tunes our attitude and our affections and desires. Uh, Absolutely. But, but that like God, God loves to answer prayer and the fruit of our abiding is that we have what we ask for in his name. And Jesus said in John's gospel that the father's glorified that when we, he, he does what we ask him to do in prayer that, you know, that brings him pleasure and, and honors his name. So, um, I think that's pretty amazing. So have you, and you're one of my friends and I thank God, at least I'd like to, other people probably think differently, but I feel like you're one of those people that hear God's voice and is not too flaky about it. (laughs) And I, man, I would hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, uh, but that connection between prayer and then God's speaking to you guys. And then, you know, as a whole state, there's obviously a movement of prayer, the whole central region of Tennessee, um, middle Tennessee. Then there's, you know, what's happening with Wilco. It seems like it really started in prayer, right. And in, yeah, in dreams absolutely. and prophetic words. And so it's kind of this combination of you speaking to God, God speaking to you, and then you're, you're co-laboring. How about that? I think there's a Bible verse about that. You're right. You're co-laboring with Christ. So like, how have you seen that play out throughout this whole situation i guess prayer and how you're seeing specific answers no doubt prayer is has been the fuel of for the fire that we're experiencing no doubt you know no doubt that we're riding on the coattails of many who've labored in the place of prayer for years and decades before us you know um i think it was like lou ingle says the he i heard him say in person the call of 7707 in nashville was the highlight of his career Hmm you know, um, uh, of his call, you know, and, and of course he's done incredible things with the sin, yeah. you know, in recent season, but I heard him say last year, the call was the highlight of his, of his career, 7707 in Nashville. And that, that, that moment of 77,000 gathering, you know, in Titan stadium, Nissan stadium years ago became a catalyst for so many things that are happening today. So no doubt what we're, what we're experiencing, the fruit mm-hmm. of what we're experiencing is, is, is direct result of the many, many, many years and decades of prayer in this region. And then there are movements of prayer in our region that are modern day that we, we can draw correlation to, you know, my wife 
she leads uh, intercession sets every Wednesday night at the Franklin Prayer House, that, directed by dear friends of ours, Ryan and Karen Hall. We're, we, we see at times where my wife leads leading bur- sets that are burdened for the church, you know, for months on end. And all of a sudden we enter into the, cri- the COVID crisis hmm. and, and the things that God's doing in the church and resetting the church and repositioning the church are all these in alignment with these words that they received in prayer for, wow. for, for, for months. You Go know? Jenny. <laughs> I know, I know it's so powerful. So yeah, we see direct correlation in now time realities but then we also recognize that there are saints of old who've gone before us for years labored in prayer and we're reaping the the fruit of their labor and so i i, I really believe that i really believe that oh no that's that's amazing there was a story that i heard uh, john tyson talk about on a friend's little chat phil manginelli the pastors in atlanta they were doing a, a talk and he referenced this article in about this missionary in china named james um frazier and uh, there's a, a book that was written about his life. Um, and basically, he, he led all these people in the mountainous region. I believe it was in the Himalayas. Uh, it's a book, the book's called Mountain Rain. And basically, he leads all these people to Christ in the highlands that he can't get to in the winter. They're all on lockdown. They can't even, and the new Christians can't even get to each other. And he could have maybe visited a few of them. But the amount of time it would have taken him was was a lot of time and he thought well i could minister to the christians in the lower regions that aren't as snowed in um and i could just spend the time i would have spent traveling to go up to the people in the highlands and i'll just pray for them uh and so he gave himself to fervent prayer for these new converts uh like i think up to several days a week just to pray for them and when the snow melted he was like a scientist that wanted to go check out their lab results you know he was like what happened to these new christians they couldn't even meet with each other because the the conditions are so treacherous. And so the guy writing this article about him and his story was like, obviously we're in a similar situation where we're kind of on lockdown. We can't <laughs> congregate. We can't check in on people, yeah. um, but we could pray. Right. So anyway, Frazier goes and checks on all these new converts and he finds that the ones that he spent fervent time and fervent prayer for were far more mature and established in their faith oh. as new believers than the ones that he was following up with oh, man. day after day. And like, there was this incredible move of God and I haven't, I haven't got to read his whole, I got, I downloaded his book on Kindle recently. I haven't got to read too much of it yet, but I, it sounds like he went through tremendous warfare, you know, physical danger, like all sorts of things, but like God did an incredible work. And they estimate that a lot of those believers were actually uh, in the next several decades, yep. a key part of the revival that broke loose to the mass harvest in China, you know? So it was like he, what he looked at as a limitation he took that gospel angle go. and, and gave himself to prayer <laughs> and, you know, it turned into a huge revival. So I just saw a lot of correlations with like what you're talking about. Like, yep. let's pray. Let's hear God. I mean, it's like pray yeah. and obey. Does it, does it go, go back? Cause like, I feel like that's my dad's what, old sermons, right? One of the things that's been cool for me too, pray and obey. this prayer synergy with mission is, you know, that I think about the prophetic words I shared even just now on, on this conversation, the new 22 word, and then the every campus word, those were both given from mm-hmm. other individuals to me. They weren't, they weren't words that I received and yeah. from the Lord myself. That's important and significant for our mm-hmm. conversation. Yes. In part, because the, both those individuals came from more of the prayer movement, but second it's secondly, so there's a synergy between uh-huh. the prayer movement and the mission movement. But secondly, I'd say is, is, um, is the synergy of gifts, you know, of like the prophetic voice and the evangelist or the builder, you know, like the evangelist operates with this permanent, like positive, like there is harvest everywhere, you know, like the fields are ripe and wet, ready, you know, don't yeah. say three months and then the harvest, lift your eyes. That's, that's the heart of the evangelist, but the, right. the, the prophetic perspective, the, the prophetic voice, the voice of the prophet is, is every campus in Williamson County. God wants to give you 22 year olds to work with you. And it's about reaching high school kids. In other words, the prophetic helps you radar in on where exactly the gold is underneath, underneath the soil and in the land. Right. The evangelist would otherwise just knock on every door because we, we have that in scripture. And because, Mm -hmm. Hey, we have this permanent belief. God is moving and this permanent belief. the, The harvest is now. But the, the, the synergy of the, pro, the, the prophetic voice with the evangelist or the builder is that, is that the outcome is ex, exponentially greater. And 
And so there's the prayer yeah, component of prayer and mission, but then there's also the synergy of the plurality of gifts is, is learning to work together. And I, I, I think there's so much there, you know, um, I want to highlight that because I think I Nashville, it. Nashville's like a broadcast city. Radio is founded here. The majority of not just country music or CCM music, but the majority of so, so much of music around in the world today is recorded here. So this is a broadcasting city. What if yep. one of, this story is like some, God wants to do things here in the city that he then broadcasts to the world that can inspire others in their own journey, but then also can hi- highlight principles that, that are eternal that people can learn to relive in their own context. Yeah. So I really hope people listening to even this conversation, grab some of those ideas and run with them in their own context. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's powerful. We need the synergy of the different gifts, the different streams of the body of Christ. Um, We got to work together as a team. Like you said, the the results are exponential. Uh, So when you're hearing God's voice, you know, through these prophetic words and you got these young guys coming to you and talking to you about raves. Um, so like just for, for my own sake and anybody, any of our listeners today, um, oh, this wasn't a no. Christian rave then, right? This wasn't like, like we're going to no. blast Christian music and like, you know, uh, we have a Christian DJ and we have secret prayer teams everywhere. Um, the greed, I mean, oh, I, we, man, we, have had, some we, we did have secret praying, prayer teams. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it wasn't necessarily like uh, it Not wasn't at like all. a church service at the at the rave. In fact, rave. It uh, you the know, races and, they began, yeah. they were fully rave and everything that comes with it—the good, the bad, the ugly. Because we moved it into Rocket Town, the benefit was uh-huh. our venue, who's who's providing the venue. They said there will be no music that has, you know, swear words basically. So that, so to be honest, like our okay. young guys who we were working with, our Sons of Peace, they they didn't feel comfortable with that. But the nature of the partnership was that they mm-hmm. had to compromise. So they did. And, you know, these guys are just like learning the way of Jesus. Oh, wow. So they, they made the compromise. God blessed it. Yeah. And um, so they just did all kinds of EDM music. And of course there's, you know, there's police officers on site. So it was a dry rave. No doubt kids came in high, um, you know, but then they, then they encountered the most uh-huh. high. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it did not look like a oh, church service. Well, the, the, the gospel that was preached at the end was it was a royal rumble man it was like it was it was like mm-hmm. the god who answers by fire he is god you know it was like that kind of moment because that's what those moments that yeah. space that space lent it to itself to you know well yeah and in in reinhard Bonnke's, um biography living a life of fire that was like uh one of the first big successes in the sense of like a large amount of people giving their lives to Christ at one time. That was like the first success he really had. If I remember right, Mm -hmm. it's been a while since I've read his story, but he had a lot of discouragement and a lot of failure early in his ministry. And the mission board was rejecting him from going to where he really wanted to go to preach the gospel um, as a, as a young evangelist. And he ends up going to like a, like a rave or like some kind of big Mm -hmm. disco. It was probably a disco back then. Uh, or, uh, and this dance club with all these young people and his heart is just broken and he convinces the owner oh to let him get on the mic and he preaches the gospel and all these young people start weeping and you know they're there drinking and partying and doing drugs and um, I forget how many young people give their lives to Christ but it's a very similar scenario to what you're talking about at Wilco it's a packed house and mass salvation sweeps through the place the spirit of God falls young people weep repent cry out to God um, you know it's incredible uh, and I think that is a really important thing for us is like, how do we get, and I've even, ever since I've read that story, I'm like, Lord, what can I do in my city? And I haven't got that download, but maybe, maybe you're sharing some intelligence wow. with me today. That'll help us in, in the Pacific Northwest. Like, w- cause if we go, yeah, we just assume that people are out doing their thing, but like they're searching, they're groping, they're looking for meaning. They're looking for, especially people going to a rave or anybody that's hosting a rave party. Absolutely. They know they're in touch with what everybody that ache that everybody feels that they want that transcendent experience. They want to feel like they're a part of community. They want to, to be able to forget their sorrows Absolutely. for a few minutes, you know? And it's like, to me, that so good. they're just longing for the kingdom They're, You know, they're longing for joy. They're longing for peace. They're longing for, for family. And we have that. So I love, I love your story. Cause I think we need to, we need to think of however we can, we need to get to where people are and start on their turf 
And I, I hope that this whole COVID thing kind of can help us pivot. Cause if we just go back to like doing our meetings as normal, spending our time as normal, like we aren't going to have time to go to where people are as much. We aren't, you know, we, we have, we, we all have that same limitation Absolutely. of how many hours we have in a day and how many days we have in a week. So it's like, where are we going to, you know, what basket are we going to put our eggs in? Uh, and I hope that it's engaging people, like you said, on their turf first, inviting them into that space of friendship and a neutral space. And then inviting them into family as Jesus is becoming Amen. real to them and they can call on him as Lord. Yeah. So powerful. A lot, a lot of rich stuff, man. I, <laughs> I wanted to hear this story myself, so I'm glad we got to do it for a podcast format. So Hopefully many others will be blessed and uh, be able to apply some of this Let's go. to their That'd own be context. My heart, yeah, totally. Do you have a website? Uh, give us your social media. Where can people follow you or, or check out some of the, yeah, book, man, my podcast, website, com. My last name is spelled N A R C I S O Adam Narciso.com. Our resources there, the book, the podcast, the two e-courses, that we've produced and um, check it out, man. Grab hold of some of that free content articles and podcasts and, and, uh, and then invest in some training resources that can help you grow, you, you know, in, in your life with God. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Adam, please friends, listeners, go check out these resources. Adam will bless you, encourage you. He'll make you laugh every once in a while <laughs> and then he'll sting you with a little bit of truth, uh, but it'll set you free. He's definitely an encourager and will build you up in your faith and your gifts and your ability to hear God and go after the things of God that he has for you. So thanks for joining us today, everyone. And thank you, Adam, once again, can't wait to talk again soon. I want to have you back on uh, for one of my new episode series I'm going to launch pretty soon called Dear Young Man to talk about identity and fathering and all son being a son and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be it's going to be kind of an emotional. I, mean, I think that's why I'm hesitating to release those episodes a little bit. It's like I'm like it's it's an emotional investment, but it'll I think it'll hopefully uh, yield a lot of fruit. So anyway, love you, buddy. Again, man, love your heart and appreciate your time. Today's show is brought to you by the SEND Network. SEND stands for Sunrise Equipping Network and Development. It's the apostolic network of Sunrise Christian Center. Connect with SEND to join a community of like-minded leaders from the church place, the workplace, and other areas of influence. You can find out more about SEND at isunrise.org. Thank you for tuning in today. Please share the message. Please like it, subscribe to it, download it. I appreciate your support.